Welcome everyone to another episode of Deep Shift. I am here with my good friend, Adam Yasmin. Adam is a certified digital resilience educator and speaker. He is the host of the Wabi Sabi podcast, and he is a slow tea facilitator. Adam coaches people on creating tech life balance with emotional intelligence. Adam, welcome to the show. Michael, thank you so much for having me. So honored. It's, it's good to have you here. I've known you for a while now, and you have done so many fascinating modalities from tea ceremonies to now, which I'm very curious about, this digital resilience, kind of balancing tech life with emotional intelligence, uh, and which is your latest thing. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. It is my latest thing, and it came for, out of, well, it came out from, from many, <laughs> points of origin i'd say first and foremost being being at an age where i was just talking about this in a previous conversation. i was just i hosted my show before jumping onto this call um and i was speaking to a guest and i surmised that we're basically around the same age and i recently saw that um uh, those of us i saw a meme talking about so-called geriatric millennials, AKA people who were born between 1980 and 1985 um, are poised to be um, ideal managers and custodians of ushering in hybrid work, um, hybrid work reality as we approach a post-pandemic society, because we, you, me, and my guest who I had uh, just before this, um, we are not digital natives. We grew up, you know, in the eighties and nineties and we eased into, um, hmm. we eased into using, I get, I mean, yes, there were, there were computers. Uh, yes. I remember the first time I logged onto the World Wide web. I think I was in the fifth grade in my school's library it was like part of, of like, um, I don't know. It was just somewhere in the day we're like we're gonna go to the library and we're gonna go log onto the world wide web <laughs> um so you know just being you know being of this age um is what really what what brought me to to digital wellness digital resilience um there's really many names and what for a trip it. that yeah kids born now I mean, not even kids, 20, 20 somethings, you know, older 20 somethings have always had the internet. Always. Always. It's just, it's just been simply in their existence since they've been born, which is wild. I mean, you and I having grown up when we did, it was, we really saw the not having any internet, not having humans connected on this planet to humans connecting on the planet. Yeah. What a trip. Yeah. I mean, I remember. I got my first smartphone, my first iPhone at 25. You got your first iPhone at 25. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was the iPhone I'll 3G. Yeah. It was the, the iPhone 3G. 3G. Yep. It was the summer of 2008. And I was like, you know what? I'm missing some emails <laughs> and people, you know, I'm unable to respond to like a gig offer or something. So I'm, I think I need to get an iPhone so I can see an email and respond to it quicker and so that was my one of the biggest incentives to get an iphone which back then only at&t you know had had uh, the run of the mill <laughs> with iphones 
Um, oh yeah. And it was, it was carrier locked and it was, it was quite, uh, you know, and it was like a hundred something dollars to, to have a cell phone plan. And, you know, we, we paid our dues growing up, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, um, but I mean, really to answer your question, um, you know, I came, I came to digital wellness from, from many angles. Um, so again, not only because I'm not a digital native, uh, but also because as a technologist, you know, as someone who I transitioned to UX six years ago, uh, simultaneous with becoming a first time dad. So in parallel, my life very much transformed UX and yeah, UX, which also known as user experience design, which is a, um, it's a popular role within, uh, within the field of tech because it's the designer. It's the one who not only designs how um, a digital experience may may look, um, you know, right as visual designers do, but more importantly, how it feels. Really, architecting digital experiences so that they build a bridge, ideally build a bridge between users' needs and brand or business goals. Yeah, yeah. Was- having an having an advocate to be able to be an advocate for end users and to be able to speak to the stakeholders and say, well, let's build this bridge so that the experience that we create for the users um, is hopefully delightful, ethical, fun, keeps inviting people back to, to, you know, re-engage those kinds of things. Uh, And as we know, (laughs) over the last couple of years, um, you know, with many Ted talks, with that documentary, the social dilemma, that was released last fall on Netflix. Um, we know that this field uh, is pretty rife with unethical practice. And it was, it's uh, one of the biggest reasons why I, I no longer wanted to pursue a freelance career as a, as a UX designer. Um, but it's also why I transition into, um, into digital wellness because as someone who is really interested and in connecting and authentically connecting with individuals and groups because I'm, I'm not a digital native because I have a background as a slow T a slow T nerd uh, over the last 13 years. I mean, I, I purposefully look for ways to slow down in life. And again, with the pandemic, you know, the background of pandemic, it was also another big uh, push into you know, what is, what is something I can do to help other people as we ride out this pandemic and, and beyond? And uh, it's, um, you know, as, as, a, as a service provider, it was really the thing that felt the most socially responsible, but also innately intuitive for me to do. So that's how I got into it. Yeah, that's it's a fascinating world right now. The social dilemma is interesting in that, you know, I, I have also dabbled in UX, UI design, you know, building apps and websites and, and you are guiding people into an experience. And the byproduct of addiction is often not purposeful because the purpose you're trying to get people to like the app. And by getting them to like it means they are on it and they're enjoying what they're doing. But if you are too good at what you do, then all of a sudden they're liking it too much and they're getting that dopamine rush and they want to go back to it and they want to keep enjoying that 
that experience. So there's a certainly a fine line between uh, ethical user interface, user experience design, and and unethical. Uh, I know as I was on TikTok, love TikTok. I think it's it's a fantastic social network that's blooming. And uh, I've been telling everyone to join. People think it's just dance dance videos, but no, it's got the whole spectrum, spiritual knowledge. It's got it's got everything. And if you scroll for long enough, TikTok will actually show you a video that says, hey, you've been scrolling a while. Could be a good time to put your phone down. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's I nice. like that. That's some built, that is a built in. Yeah, that's a nice built in feature. I think that's, it is, yeah, that is responsible uh, for, you know, for platforms like that to do that. That's, that is useful. It ha I mean, it does have, you know, arguably like some real utility there. Yeah. So what does it look like? Uh, your, your coaching, your digital resilience, uh, coaching. Well, um, it looks like, like a, like a relationship based on accountability, based on like time and space, um, you know, committing to meet either one time or maybe a maybe for a month, once a week, maybe a three month series. I really, I don't lead with, I have a package and this proprietary thing that's set up and you have to join and you have to commit to this program. It's like, I'm, I always want like a two way street. I mean, as an, as a, as a person, like how I just navigate in the world. Uh, and also as I'm trying to, um, you know, it's weird to think of myself as like a, it's not, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I am a service provider and I do need to, um, you know, exist in this universe and there's an overhead and I have, I'm a dad to an almost six-year-old and, um, you know, and we have this, we have a family of three and, you know, there's the, the strangeness of, um, of working right now <laughs> or some form of working, um, right now in this, you know, this sort of, uh, stage of, of pandemic and working remotely um but it is uh, in terms of coaching it is it is this space of um of accountability again it's not a therapeutic service i'm not a licensed therapist um but i i you know my aim is to help people uh, and we can do that speaking one time for one hour, again, just making the space for conversation. Uh, a lot of people, uh, it doesn't matter what your demographic is, what your age is, what your belief system is, what programs you may be running in the background. It seems as though as a society, as a modern society, having survived uh, this thus, thus far into this pandemic and having survived by many measures, uh, a lot, just an immense amount of digital transformation uh, over the last 15 months. Um, you know, some may say it's you know upwards of two to 10 years of, of digital evolution in this really short amount of time. Um, everybody's grappling with something. Um, again, could be social media overuse or or. Um, I, I hesitate to use the word addiction because um, it's a that's a very, very, very real word with a lot of gravity to it. 
Hmm. And I want to be uh, respectful and uh, spacious with that, with that using that term, but whether it's using social media a lot uh, or losing sort of, you know, physical connection with the people that we know and care about in, in the real world, or it's being hyper-productive, maybe, you know, working from home um, and just afraid of being bored, spending time uh, within a little bit of solitude because we, you know, at times we're isolating or quarantining or there's stay at home orders and all of these things. Um, there's many, many different angles to, to work with and there's, it's full of evidence-based strategies and tools. And um, it's a really fascinating uh, space to be in because again, it's a really relevant topic for just about everyone, parents included, um, entrepreneurs, distributed teams and organizations. Um, and it is, a, it is a space that is uh, filled with curiosity. Um, and also just to be able to like, you know, vent about frustrations and things like that. So I have a lot of space. I have my pod, hmm. you know, that I have set up here at home and it is a, you know, it is, is really a, a container for this kind of, or what I like to think of as transformational work. Again, I'm not a life coach, um, but it's, it is this, um, it is this topic, again, this really relevant topic right now that could go deeper into um, maybe let's incorporate tea ritual into your daily life so that that could be a really great vehicle for digital detox um, so that you immerse yourself using your hands and your fingers and your awareness and you'd be mindful with something that's as simple as a cup of tea, um, you know, as a means for using your device a little bit less, you know, those kinds of opportunities to explore um slowing down and slow living yeah tea is a great idea recently i got into tea ceremonies doing tea i know right now you're drinking a cold brewed tea which i didn't even know really existed cold cold brewed tea yeah uh so cold, how do you how do you brew cold cold brewed tea i i will tell you so um <clears throat> so this is a cup of um i think it's 2020 Snooze Fest, which is a brilliant ropware from White Two Tea, um, who's, who's a good Fest. friend. Snooze Fest is the name of the tea, and uh, the yeah the names and the branding are are incredible, <laughs> are incredible <laughs> and kind of kitschy and are really clever from a branding and marketing perspective. I've got this um, uh, this tea from Portland, Oregon, um, from a, a company called Fly Awake. Cool. And, oh, I know. I've heard of Fly Awake. Yeah. And this tea yeah. is called Wizard's Eyebrow. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah. The names are everything because um, it, it creates such a persona, right? It, it creates such a character to, to, to interact with and to relate to. Um, but it's called Snooze Fest because it's only released once a year during like... Um, what is it like Black Friday, Thanksgiving, that kind of sh usual like e-commerce shopping rush. There was a limited pressing of these uh, cakes. Um, I could grab you a cake just to show you what it looks like, uh, but it's a raw pour cake. So it's a 200 gram. Looks like a little UFO of tea. And that's what uh, a lot of 
a sort of standard issue pu'er, which is an aged and fermented tea from from uh, from Southwest China. So it looks like the reason why it's pressed in those discs is because it's an ideal shape for aging and maturing, which is what the tea, um, in terms of like flavor and charisma and characteristics, like really require requires. Uh, aging and, or as I like to refer to it, like the, it, so long as the tea can meditate for a number of years or maybe perhaps decades, that's when you get a really profound uh, and nuanced sort of tasting experience. So it's called Snooze Fest because it's only pressed in limited, in a limited quantity that one time a year and it's, it's priced at a really gracious uh, price so that you get like, you know, as I think the wording is like you would get you're getting like a a fifth a fifty plus dollar a value of of tea for I think fifteen dollars when you buy it when you can score a cake online at his site and so the way I cold brew it is that I take roughly um I intuit you know just an amount I use a glass carafe that's maybe about yay big so it's pretty sizable and I put let's say maybe four tablespoons worth of leaf. And I, I have our um, amazing um, filtered water that we have here at home. That's been really important and really great uh, during this pandemic to have really clean water, especially whenever you drink tea. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of filter? So the filter, (laughs) the filter is called um, it's called oxygen ozone and it's a company based here in SoCal and they use a reverse osmosis system with coral filters. Hmm. And we have an under the sink uh, system with like a maybe four gallon reverse osmosis sort of reservoir that then goes through this like triple or five stage system. (laughs) We get a new filter like every year and uh, it's an amazing water. It it basically, I don't wanna say it like replicates spring water, but you know, that's, that's perhaps the aim in terms of sort of enriching with minerals and to use what's already here. But I just take the filtered water directly into the carafe uh, with the tea, and then I immediately stick it into the fridge. And uh, my aim is to let it steep uh, like overnight, or let's say a minimum of 15 hours. And the end, the end result is just a really beautiful, the essence of whatever you're brewing, whatever you've steeped uh, in a different way, because I mean, traditionally we, we steep tea with, you know, with the appropriate uh, water temperature so that you really get the essence of the tea uh, and that kind of hot water extraction uh, that's, you know, more traditional. Um, and probably you know, arguably more appropriate depending on the tea that you're focused on. But to be able to cold brew is just a really unique and super lovely new way of communicating with, you know, these kinds of teas, pu'eres, oolongs are really, really wonderful to cold brew because there's so much flavor hmm. uh, and aromas that, that come through uh, both in a hot water um, extraction or in a cold water extraction. Yeah. I, oolongs are just so delicious. So you would recommend cold brewing like an uh, oolong more so than say like a red tea or a white tea. 
all of them. I think all of them, especially when it comes to when it comes to Camellia sinensis, the tea leaf, you know, which is when we process these different ways. We get white, red, green, oolong, hmm. black, black tea, which is also aka red tea, um, and uh, and puer. I mean, we get all these different um, end results through these different means of of processing um, all of those teas. I think. Uh, so far, I mean, I've really only worked with, I've worked with some red teas, mostly oolongs and pu'er um, when it comes to cold brewing. And it's so lovely. Hmm. It's not, it's not a, it's not an either or. It's just, it's a, it's a nice to have, especially because now in LA, we immediately went to like 90 degrees overnight and it's like, it's an adjustment, you know, it's kind of like a mini seasonal adjustment every, every few weeks. Yeah. And I, I love how you talk about the relationship with tea because having mm. gotten into tea lately, it's like each tea feels different. It feels different mm. in the body and it, it is an experience. So to be able to have like a multidimensional experience where you can have the hot tea, you can have the, the cold brewed tea uh, is actually very exciting. I've got a bunch of teas that I want to try now, cold brewed. And the third thing I would offer you uh, in terms of like, again, really just getting to know uh, the tea and 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 the ritual is is I love also taking a cup of ice and I will do a gong fu or you know sort of a regular tea infusion and pour it directly over ice and that's also a unique oh, interesting uh, taste experience that is is uh, it is different than cold brewing because huh. it's an ice infusion but it's it's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. It's super cool. <laughs> yeah. That is that's very exciting. Yeah, I'm a big fan of tea, and I do feel like it it plays a role in the whole digital detox. That kind of stepping away from uh, from technology for a moment. Yeah, it is. It is something that is is important to bring up. Um, in general, because I, it feels like from the perspective of overwhelm and burnout, which are very real things and like Zoom fatigue and all these these sort of terms that you people may have seen and like, um, you know, in like news headlines or, or op-eds or articles, these are, these, are, these are objectively real things. Of course, they're experienced differently and uniquely, um, again, within the sort of scope of of digital wellness because uh, there is no one size fits all solution. There is no like program, you know, um, that everybody can go through to, to reach a pinnacle of wellness. I mean, wellness, as I understand it for myself is, is a constant journey. It's a constant state of, of reflection and, and consideration and, self-actualization and it's a journey it's a state of, it's a constant state of adaptability and and change and uh and negotiation and um so um you know it seems as though usually like by the way if this there's like an outside noise if it's loud i can close some windows i just wanted to yeah, put that out there it sounds yeah it sounds great it sounds great okay cool Can't hear it. um so um yeah, it sounds, it feels like lately, again, because we're still in this pandemic, uh, that what turns into like really like popular opinion is like, we need to like unplug 
And mm. these things are evil and scary. And these devices are, you know, are programmed by evil people and all these things. And uh, it, that seems seemingly is a kind of a runaway popular opinion. Like we need to use less and we need to turn things off and we need to move off grid and move far away and, and be and extract from these things. And, you know, if you have the means to do so more power to you, uh, but as an alternative, we can, uh, we can sort of veer away from, from extremes and we can really just find, find our own balance, create our own balance that is, that is unique and indicative to us, to us as individuals, as, as families, um, as colleagues, right? We can, we can set our own boundaries with our devices and it could look like a myriad of ways. It could be, you can be really into tea and you can make time for tea at home or in the office. Um, it's a means of, of taking a break. You know, you can schedule a 30 minute block. If you like scheduling your days, you know, every hour of the day, um, you can schedule a 30 minute block. Just put question mark, maybe do something creative. Maybe try a subscription snack thing. Maybe go on a walk if it feels safe to go on a walk uh, or take your dog out for a walk or something like that um, to do something that is, has no like dollar value, <laughs> so to speak. It's not like aimed towards productivity. It's, it's, it's as an act of, you know, self-care or self-love. Um, or maybe there's a coffee brewing method that you're really into and you just need to make that little investment in that gear or something. And you can make time for brewing that cup of coffee or making that smoothie or juicing something uh, or tending to your garden, like whatever it is. Like if we, if we don't make time for those things, then these glowing rectangles will, will schedule our time for us. And again, it's not because they're evil. It's because that's what they're, that's what they do best. Yeah. And there's a lot of utility in them. There's amazing tools. There's an amazing uh, opportunity to like have, I mean, in this case, a meaningful connection and conversation with an old friend, you know, um, these are great tools and we do need a few minutes away to exist, to be in the real world, to reflect, to remember about some critical thinking and to, um, to contemplate, you know, we don't contemplate a lot anymore. I think there is, uh, there's a lot to be said about, um, I, I read one of the books I read that brought up a lot for me and my own process coming into this field was the book, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, um, which is an amazing read. And, um, it's a bit heavy of a, of, um, of a proposition, <laughs> When it comes, because he really suggests like a 30 day hardcore social media detox and mm. really stripping everything away so that after 30 days, after a detox phase, you can come back to, you know, I'm going to include this and this and this, and then happily miss out on everything else, which is basically the philosophy of the tech philosophy of digital, minim digital minimalism. But one of the things he brings up in the book is uh, this very real epidemic of solitude deprivation because of our connect because of our connectedness mm. 
with devices. And obviously he wrote this pre-pandemic. So, you know, he cites examples of like politicians and authors and like creators back in the day, writers who literally would leave hmm. their homes or their towns and like take a train or a boat and get to that cabin in the woods that's totally off grid to be able to just think and then to write and then to decide on things. It's taking that example and making it relevant to today in 2021 in a pandemic. And like, you know, we all can't just go on holiday. There are some real hurdles to traveling right now that are probably going to be existing for quite a long time. Um, but we can, we can embody that, uh, you know, sort of detox mindset throughout our day. We can do it for 10 minutes. We can subscribe to Headspace or Calm or use, we can use tech to help us with um, building upon these empowered habits. We can do the, the really cool offline stuff like brewing tea and, or having a mindful meal every day that's free of devices. You know, if you can do that every day, it's super uh, profound to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and there are a bunch of other, a bunch of other of tools and, and, you know, suggestions that are so are, are wonderfully rife within this, within this uh, type of work. Yeah, I, I can see how a coach in this realm would be so beneficial because uh, there are a lot of things that we can do and we can dedicate time to do them, but we first need to dedicate time to realize what we need to do. And if we're not giving ourselves that moment to just like take a pause and think about what could I be doing, very easy just to grab the phone and get lost in, in that, that digital landscape. I've recently turned on uh, using screen time on the iPhone, which is a phenomenal feature that I literally just a couple days ago realized uh, the potential of, but you can set like from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, it blocks all apps and you can choose certain apps if you need like a timer or something like that, but it'll literally block it and you can go in and you can tap it and you can easily press like, you know, let me in the app for a minute or let me in. But just that block, just it creates that just enough of a roadblock. They're like, oh yeah, I just subconsciously tapped Instagram because I was bored for a split second. And now, yep. you know, it reminded me that I chose to not look at Instagram past 9 p.m. Yep. And it's been very beneficial to give myself that space to to open up. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in what I like to refer to like elegant obstacles. Like, like using screen time and you can, you can use screen time as a really sort of widespread um, tool for controlling, um, you know, time well spent on the device itself, or, or you can get granular with like, you know, I can set a time limit that's unique to Instagram, but something else for another, for another app, those kinds of things. Like it's, we have, we have the ability to, to assert a lot of um, I would say almost analog control, um, which is a really empowered, I believe a really empowered, um, you know, headspace to be in when it comes to using our time and attention to the things that we actually uh, care, care about and, and want or, and or need to do, right? Um, so I, I appreciate that you, 
you talk about screen time. Because um, I feel like I feel like metrics, like metrics by themselves, can be really scary for people. Yeah, I don't want to know that I'm using my phone for nine hours a day. Like I don't want that information because it it'll elicit, it'll bring up a lot of 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 uh, in maybe some like latent or innate feelings that I may have about myself. Maybe I have a problem. Kind of creates a sort of hamster wheel effect of like you know the, the, again the goal is to empower you with with information as opposed to to point at like you have a problem and here is a solution and it's like it's it's we need to really move beyond that kind of um way of communicating and way of thinking because we are we are, we are human beings we're social mammals we are creative people who you know what let's just take a moment to like i just want to like acknowledge everyone who may be listening or watching this conversation now or in the future to to remember that like we've made it this far into this pandemic and i just want to like i just want to acknowledge you for <laughs> for making it to this point and and beyond you know like we are we are resilient people um we have these amazing tools and hobbies or or um, tools for healing and for encouraging curiosity and creativity that uh have been with us for eternity and are also new and novel and will you know carry us into these next phases of evolution yeah to be aware of those things yeah it, it's it's amazing when we give ourselves space to think when we give ourselves space just to be by ourselves, what comes through and so much creativity so so many ideas for projects it's like a lot of people uh desire to be that digital nomad to be able to live that laptop lifestyle to do what they want but they might not dedicate the time that's needed to do the research into that to to sit and think by themselves of what that looks like. And, um, you know, I, I found recently that just giving my sp myself space to, and this kind of goes into meditation as well, giving yourself space just to be with your own mind. It's like our, our mind, our beingness is quite intelligent. You know, it's, it's, it feels more intelligent than our brains. And when we just give it time to think it's it's to me it's remarkable that we don't give it time to think it's like it's very easy to just constantly distract i go from work i go to make food i go to you know watch tv i go back to social media i go to bed and and that's why you know people say they have these epiphanies in the shower because it's like the exactly. only time that they're giving themselves a moment to or sitting in traffic or sitting at the yeah. red light or something like that. Yeah. Or road trips, road trips are, you know, like these amazing okay. opportunities for, for profound awareness. Right. Yes. Yeah. I've had great, great thoughts on long distance drives when I, I've had something mm -hmm. on my mind. It's just like, I, I did a, an eight hour drive and it literally felt like one hour because there was just something big <laughs> on my mind and I was staring at the road and I don't know where I was for those hours, but it was incredible. Yeah. And I worked, yeah. I worked through the whole thing in my mind. Yeah. By the way, as a, as a tangent to this, this topic alone, um, 
you haven't watched Elizabeth Gilbert's TED talk on, I guess it's on creativity. Just look up like Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote um, Eat, Pray, Love. Um, look up her TED talk on like creativity and there's a big focus on, on uh, you know, solitude or thinking or allowing yourself to be bored. And that's really like where ideas and insight comes from. Which again, to tie back to, you know, digital minimalism, uh, is is an important point um, to 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 be aware of in this pandemic and beyond this pandemic, because you know we will be living in a post-pandemic society eventually. Yeah, right. Yeah, we certainly will be, and it's interesting that they're they're confused as to what's going on with employment and all of that because it's like as things started to get good. Uh, but as more people, as the cases went down, less people were going to get jobs. So it's almost like the mentality of people is a little bit different. And it's like, well, yeah, it makes sense. If if they spent a year not at that job that they hated, it's, it's going to be very difficult to get them to go back to something they don't like. You know, and there, there was a yeah. restaurant. Yeah, a, no, please continue. It's just that like, yeah, things need to change. This post post pandemic society does does need to change. And there was one restaurant, and they just couldn't get people to work for them. So what they did was they raised the 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 rate to fifteen dollars an hour, and they had people through the door, a line through the door to to come work for them. So, yeah, definitely definitely some some I think good change is happening. I I I really hope, you know, as as a as an optimist, and I feel like. I feel like one of these unspoken things about like parenthood is like you're really signing on to be, I mean, to be an optimist uh, because you're, you're committing to like have to basically exist beyond like beyond yourself. Right. You're like my child exists and will, you know, hopefully exist, you know, well beyond me. Um, but I feel like at this juncture of like, as we approach post-pandemic society and as you brought up like work and stuff, it, it, it is important for us as a collective, as a society to decide, are we going to go more into like the Star Trek, you know, like version of, of society that's like, that's built on, on, you know, what the tenets of like UBI and self-actualization and like helping other people or working in a collective or are we going to go kind of more like the sort of you know totalitarian like you will do this or you will you will uh or you will burn so to speak um because you know by some measure there's maybe both happening uh or maybe there's always both happening or maybe there have always been both happening uh but these are important conversations that people, whether it's individuals or like at scale, um, need to be having right now. And so I'm grateful to be able to, you know, to talk to you about this right now. Yeah, I'm hoping we do go towards that Star Trek philosophy. I, I just, during the pandemic, I started watching Star Trek Next Generation mm -hmm. and I'm like six seasons in, fantastic mm -hmm. series. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely, 100%. I adore the show the whole series <laughs> yeah. the philosophies the 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 characters it's just yeah it shows you 
the brilliance behind it as, as a projection of a potential future is, is remarkable. I mean, I, I did hear that uh, Gene Roddenberry was friends with someone who channeled. So some of the information was actually channeled from awesome. The, yeah. Which is like fascinating to hear. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I love the future, the Star Trek future and, and how it treats people and how it respects each person as a sovereign being and how, what fighting is like, like how, 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 and it's funny in the show when they talk about like the past, which would be like current present day, they talk about it as just like this savage time. <laughs> it's like, yeah. We're no longer like that. We have our period of peace now. Mm -hmm. and, you know, once you, once you have peace, then you have that first contact mm -hmm. and you become part of this galactic civilization. So I do exactly. think that's possible. I, I do as well. And it's really up to us and, and reminding ourselves that it is up to us. I think that's where, I think that's where there needs to be a little bit more amplification. It's like it, it, you know, like when I talk to people who have been working remotely in this pandemic and who are struggling with like, you know, my colleagues are like sending me emails at like 11 PM and I'm like always on. And it's like hmm. creating so much stress and it's releasing all this cortisol in the system. And there's no, like, there's no more distinction between office and home. Like it's all blended together. And it's like, it's like, it's like, I'm reminding folks and I'm also, you know, when I'm able to work with, like, let's say work with, with a lead or a CEO, you know, of, of a group and, and just to say like, look, as a group, as this team, it's, you know, we need to come to an agreement together to like kind of draft a sort of contract, right. an agreement together to say like, there will be no meetings before 9.00 AM and there will be no meetings after 6 p.m. and there will be no emails hmm. after 6.30 p.m. and weekends are off. And if we can commit to that together, because some of us have children, some of us don't, some of us work other, th other do other things, some of us don't, if we can commit to that, then we can create space and then we create that boundary, that resilient boundary that's then respected by everyone who's, who's involved. And then CEOs are happy because then they don't have this problem of, of uh, you know, having uh, employees like move on, they get burned, they, they burn out within 18 months and then they leave to go get another job. And then they have to, you know, they, ha they can have a problem retaining talent and all, all, that, all that kind of terminology. It's, you know, like, again, there are no simple, straightforward solutions, but it has to do with having people feel safe to voice the challenges so that they can come to an agreement together. And that, that only happens when you kind of create that space of, of awareness and to be able to like, you know, what is it? Like, I remember hearing a quote very early on in my, you know, self and my sort of journey of, be, of being myself or learning about myself. I think when I was 20, I heard John McLaughlin, the guitarist of Mahavishnu Orchestra, talk about um, happiness. He said, you know, the first step to becoming happy is to recognize that you're unhappy. You know, you there's there's got to be, you know, I guess maybe within the scope of like a hero's journey, right? You can't experience 
pleasure without pain, that kind of, that kind of duality. Um, it's, it is important for people to feel into what's actually happening for themselves during this time. And then to also like have the bandwidth to like want things. I don't want to always respond to emails in within 70 seconds and after 11 PM. Cool. Let's work on that. You know, let's, let's make that a reality by coming into agreement with ourselves and with our colleagues and those kinds of things. Yeah, it's so important, so important to, to create that sort of container. I mean, in relationships, in business, you know, to, to create a container in which people feel comfortable to talk and then to create a container that, that sets boundaries. And, you know, that's a, that's a big boundary. It's a, it's a big word right now. It's kind of a popular word. And it's very mm -hmm. important because, you know, if, if one creates boundaries, then people feel comfortable and safe to play and, and intermix within those boundaries. But if it's unknown, then that just creates stress and, and, and everything else that, that leads to an unhealthy lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I do feel like the, the balance is, is necessary. And I appreciate the peace that you embody. And I could see how people working with you would be just really beneficial in their life to have someone like you who is grounded, embodies that, that peaceful mentality and, and lifestyle to talk, to talk about what's going on for that space to open. Like we're talking about creating space, like for someone to have that space with you, I could see as being just so remarkably valuable. Um, how can people get a hold of you uh, on the internet? How can they find you? Um, you could find me in several places. One is uh, on my website, which is adamyasman.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm active on that platform. Uh, just search my name, Adam Yasmin. My, my, uh, the, the handle is adamyasman underscore. Um, I'm also on Clubhouse, although I just learned that I just changed my phone number um, um, with my with my phone carrier, and I learned that your Clubhouse account is inextricably linked to your phone number. And so, if you lose your old phone number, you are basically sh shit out of luck uh, that's with getting your old account, which is really trippy. Again, it's one of these like because it's a new platform, like. Yeah. We should work on that because yeah. you know i had a i had established you know a, co a community of people through that profile and so I, I have a new profile i mean you can search my name on clubhouse and you'll find me um though you may find more than one profile <laughs> so the one with the smallest number right now uh of followers that's the one i'm actively on because i'm basically rebuilding from scratch from like a tabula rasa um on clubhouse and um I don't engage in, in other social media platforms just from a, just to, just to maintain peace of mind. But I'm also on LinkedIn if people want to find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, but I'd say Instagram or website are probably the best places right now. And I will include links to those in the show notes so people can easily tap it. And so with with Clubhouse. If someone then got your number, because that happens, you know, someone gets a new phone, they just get your number and they try to go on Clubhouse. Now they're 
officially Adam Yasmin. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I wrote to them and I said, something needs to, either you need to delete the old one, which I can no longer access because I don't have access to the phone number or, or something. S some resolution would be ideal uh, as opposed to just, you know, having these now like sort of ghost accounts, you know, because some people lose their phone numbers for a variety of reasons. And yeah. Wow. To, to think about that. I mean, I, it's almost like I couldn't get a new phone because I have the two factor authentication in so many websites. It's, like it's been, it's been a, it's been a hurdle for me uh, with updating my phone on, especially in the face of lots of, you know, two factor authentication everywhere. So it's, it's a, it is a, it is another kind of slowing down. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> it's maybe not so pleasant, but it's real. It's just what life, uh, you know, what it's part of life. And so it is what it is. It is, it is what it is. And here we are, Adam, mm -hmm. it's so good to chat with you. I appreciate your wisdom and your knowledge and, and your general vibe. It's very peaceful. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thanks so much. I look forward to, you know, the next opportunity to like have tea together, or maybe you can be a guest on my show and we can, you know, go deeper on some topics as well. I would love to. And I would also love to have that physical in-person tea if I'm in LA again. Absolutely. Awesome. And thank you guys for watching this episode and stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you.